0: In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey.
1: T. Um, Josh is here, so we're live. Josh. Hello, guys. What's up?
0: Hi, Josh. Hey, Dave. Happy New Year to you as well.
1: Happy the New Year's. So Happy we'll see what happens. I put this on Facebook uh, yesterday, and we'll see who pops in to join us in the comments. But um, Happy New Year. How long do you go? Happy New Year. Today is the seventeenth.
0: What's the cutoff? If I think yesterday somebody... was the Lunar New Year, wasn't it? Or it's today. It might be Lo- today. It's today. The loony, the loony New Year. The lunar. What? Right.
1: So Josh is drinking his coffee. Yep,
2: it's ten o'clock in the morning. I'm allowed to have coffee still.
1: Yes, yes. One thing I I, I wanted to uh, I don't know there's a there was a um, uh, little meme thing that I put on Facebook. It's a picture of an ambulance. And the the wording that I said was uh, um, it's not about getting coffee. And <laughs> there were people that got a little butthurt with that commenting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think my low pay overworked body can, you know, deserves a cup of coffee, you know, uh, in the morning. Um, or it's not about coffee, but yeah, I need to have it, you know, stuff like that. And I, I think that the, people see the picture, but they don't read my, the text I put, you know, that goes along with the picture. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much the reason why I put that there was that I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this but you know i've had partners over the years and people that i've worked with over the years that won't check the ambulance won't engage with anybody until they have a cup of coffee in their hand so you know i'm in the back checking out the ambulance checking the fuel checking the oxygen all this stuff we're in service the call could drop at any minute and they're walking around outside the ambulance, you know, lollygagging and having a nice cup of coffee. And that is like their priority when they come into work, instead of coming in and getting ready for the call that could drop at any second. And nowadays, as we all know, you know, most places, the, 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 the call volume is, is higher and, you know, you're, you can get a call any second. You know, I put, I put some posts up about, you know, a quick 60-second uh, checkoff of the ambulance so that while you're in service, if you do get a call before you finish checking out the entire truck, you've got 60 seconds. And you can do a lot there to get the primary things done. So have you guys ever had people like that or are you like that, Josh, when you get to work? Um, generally,
2: No. Yeah. <laughs> I had to think about that. I want to say yes. I mean, the id in me wants to say yes. But the superego and ego basically say, well, examples prove you wrong. And so when I was like this and the tones went off or the call came in, you put the coffee down or you try to sip it along, if you're tacking, then you try to sip it along the way as you're going to the job, usually spilling some on you. And
1: yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So um, it's the. Uh, well, yeah. I, listen, I'm all for it. If, if you want to get coffee and and then start checking the truck and stuff like that as you're doing it. That, that's that's listen, I'm human. It's it's all right. You can do that. But my thing usually- is doing nothing. And there, and being, I'm doing everything, and you're doing nothing but making sure you got your caffeine fixed. I mean, yeah, I want coffee too. How's getting the quickest way coffee, to a
0: getting a cup of coffee? Is my responsibility. It's like brushing my teeth, getting dressed. It right. needs to be done before I listen. I can have a second cup, but being <clears throat> ready to do the job is my yeah. job. That's Honestly. My
2: job. And honestly, you know, if we really, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know some people who roll out of bed and you could tell they must have slept in their uniform and they get on the bus and they're Wait, still, you, don't? you know, in dreamland. And you're like, whatever, you know, people like that. But, um, you know, also the surest way to uh, kick uh, to piss off your steady crew is to show up just in time, you know. If your shift starts at 3 o'clock and you're at 2.58, you know, every freaking day, it gets annoying. But usually, you know, first thing, because I, I can't find my way into the shower unless I have caffeine in me. So yeah. first thing in the morning, the alarm goes off, the uh, the pot, if it's not already programmed, is uh, flipped on. Have, my, have uh, coffee for a few minutes, take a shower, go to work. And then get another cup of coffee and breakfast, which is why I now have two stents. <laughs>
0: well, then, no, then, it's uh, not. It's why you have two stents and you're not dead. <laughs> let, coffee? let me explain. I yes, you guys read yes. my stuff.
1: Yes, I yes, I read your your nerd
0: stuff.
2: So, yeah. So, so the high ca- high stress, caffeine fueled day that i've had for 20 years dave is you're saying what saved my life
0: the caffeine has saved your life the stress god
2: bless i can that's, say that's that that's
0: another issue your genetics yeah. i don't know and, you know i didn't run into you in, on any of my prolific walks but uh,
2: <laughs> perha- perhaps you were doing them elsewhere i well you considering you're at the ass end of long island long island i'm in the middle and i am and i am in the big apple with plenty of uh you know one mile to every 10 blocks 20 blocks 20 blocks one one mile to every 20 blocks, and i should know that i i walk probably four or five miles a day easily good yeah that's that's the
0: reason why you're here with stents as opposed to buried
2: uh, you know what? The stents were a complete surprise to everybody, including my cardiologist. Uh, we were just trying to track down some like annoying discomfort. It wasn't even pain and it didn't stop me. And of course, right up to that, I went out running and jogging, you know, and uh, doing exercise, uh, getting my heart rate up. And
0: which is why you're still here. Yeah. If you run every day for 100 years, you'll live to be an old man. All right. Listen, and, and uh, we got to. one have to gotta do gotta... with the other? I think
2: the 100 years has to do more with being an old man. Than...
0: Mm. So let me. We let got, me we got this guy, Rob, who thinks coffee's good any time of the day, and I, I, can't, I can't disagree with him.
1: Yeah. Oh, I can't. Well, listen, after, like I said, after I'm 2 not like o'clock, having and coffee in the morning, too, my whole thing was is the, the uh, uh, you know, like you said, Dave, let's, let's do the job, let's get ready. The call, you know, before the tones drop, and then you can have all the coffee you want, you know. Right. Um, you know, it, because really, the, the, you know, even going to the call, Josh, like you said, you're checking, you don't know, tipping. I mean, you know, to me, when you go into the call, it's not a time to sip coffee either, it's time to read the CAD, think about what the call is going to be, maybe review a protocol if it's something you haven't done in a while, things like that, to be actively engaged in the call from the second you get it not waiting to get there, and then, you know, being surprised by what you might find. I had that happen, too, where I look over my partner, and he's drinking coffee. We get to the call. He's like, what did it say? How are we getting in? I'm like, we have to go around the back. That They can use the back door, or this is the code to get in, or whatever it is. And they're totally clueless, because they didn't even read, read the CAD on the way to, to the call. Yeah, yeah, but if it's the time, plays for everything. Yeah, Jim,
2: if it's your regular truck and you're, you've are you been on the bus for a while, you hear the call come over and, you know, it's uh, um, 13 Willie, you know, for the uh, diff breather on 178th uh, Street. You know, you pretty much know the building. You've covered that before. You might even know. Well, the there's basement. some regularity, so I guess. The, sure. looking, at, looking at the CAD, and to, you know, analyze everything in the CAD while you're, you know, you can be sipping coffee and doing all of that.
0: The problem want. is, is when you're sipping coffee and not doing that.
2: Right. Well, that, that's a whole different thing, Dave. The, even if you're not sipping coffee and not doing that, that's a right. problem.
1: Right. You know? In other
2: words, let's know our job
1: and do our job. Oh, oh, sounds like well, a awesome. boss. Um, uh, on the uh, the topic of knowing and doing our job, we would be remiss as a podcast, of course, if we didn't at least briefly discuss, oh Lord, the the, uh, the um, EMS folks who were charged with murder in uh, Illinois. Um, have you guys read any of that or watched the video? Have you watched L-? the uh, cam? I yeah, did. Cam? Yes.
2: You did. Okay. All did right. You? I absolutely have an opinion
1: based on what they were
2: doing. Um, and <laughs> I'm sure everybody
1: on... who's listening or watching has an opinion. Uh huh. And I don't think you're going to like my opinion, but go. Sort of just what we
2: were just talking about, right? You know, people who sit there, they they read the CAD, they check out the rig, they make sure they have their stuff. They're basically doing their job as their job should be done. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then you had these two knuckleheads. And I listen, I wasn't in their shoes. They could have been beaten the crap. It could have been their 12th job at five o'clock in the morning. They've been going since 10 o'clock the night before and they just had it. But there is an aspect of that whole interaction from, you know, the time they were waiting for the medics to the time that they uh, put that patient on the stretcher that was... How do I put this? Use go- some golf terminology. Subpar. Mm-hmm. Subpar. How do you feel, Jim? I know how Dave was going to feel.
1: Uh, I first sure I how Dave would going to feel, too, but Here's how yeah.
0: I feel.
1: If you want to keep yours till the last, it's your show. Your, your show, I'm happy your privilege. To chime in, yeah. And Dave is no, always. Yeah. I'll tell you how I am this way because Dave's gonna gonna you know totally disagree with me. I'm sure. Um, here's my thing. Give them a break. This is a, this is these are two providers. I think one was like 50 years old One was 40 something years old. Mm-hmm. They've probably been doing EMS for a while. They've seen every bullshit call. That you've come across I'm sure they've had patients who they get to the house who are uncooperative who are flopping around who are you know acting the fool and either maybe drunk or high or just looking for attention and looking to get out of the house to go to the house, whatever the case is all right and I've had those calls I've been them where I've walked into a, into a home and I was less than interested and dealing with somebody who is not cooperating and there's not a lot I can do for them. And I'm trying to get them out, out the door to get them to the hospital. They won't even try to walk with me to get to the stretcher, okay? And I've been in that 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 moment. I've been frustrated like that, especially like you said, Josh, getting hammered all day, maybe with calls all week. Maybe you just had some drunk the call before and are you just sick of it, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're not, you're, you're not, what's happening is that you end up not seeing the underlying issue that might have been going on with the patient. For me, anyone that's worked with me and, and knows me knows that I will have that sort of same sort of way that they were acting with the patient. But At the same time, in the back of my head, I'm like, wait a minute, something else might be going on. I better do an assessment. I need to check vitals. I need to check what might be happening with this patient, because it might not just be that drunk. It might not just be the person who's being uncooperative for whatever reason, right? And you have to kind of While you might be working in the job for quite a while and being frustrated and being burnt or being overworked or whatever the case may be, at some point as a provider, you need to take a breath and go, okay, it's not about me right now. I need to figure what's going on with the patient. So while I probably wouldn't have been in a position where I would have put the patient face down on the stretcher and maybe not done anything for them in the ambulance or whatever, where they die on me, right? I can see the myself being how they are walking into a scene like that. Okay. And trying to get the patient to get up and get onto the ambulance. Okay, let's go. We're gonna go now. And they're not cooperating. They, they can't even make it to the truck for whatever reason. And you're getting frustrated. You're getting, you know, irritated with that because you don't see the underlying issue that might be going on. You know. But at some point you got to say, okay, why is the patient doing this and try to look further into it, you know, and if anybody out there listening to this, uh, you know, if you've been in EMS for any length of time, you haven't walked into a call like that and had the same sort of facial expression that these two guys, people had and the same sort of, you know, irritation that they might've felt, you know, you're full of shit because everybody out there is, if you've been doing it for any length of time, you've had this type of call, Right. And yeah, you probably do like I do. You you say, okay, fuck it. I got to deal with this person. I've got to do an assessment. I have to check out what's going on with them, right? They mm-hmm. didn't do that. Apparently, they got to the point where they just totally didn't care and ended up, you know. Okay, Dave kind of is about to bust. Jen. So Dave is busting. So let's because Dave is busting.
2: I am.
0: So, go ahead. So, I think. I think. We have to stop teaching EMTs to do this. They learn it somewhere. They don't learn it in class. You don't teach what? it in class. You what don't do you teach mean? them to roll their eyes. You don't yes. teach them to talk about people that are uh, abusers or whatever in any derogatory terms. We don't teach them to do that. Mm-hmm. We they learn that. They can learn that while they're doing rotations. I've seen that. I've I've seen them come back I with agree. this stuff we don't teach them to tell people, by the way, this guy presented altered. I heard his respiratory rate. They didn't take a single vital sign. They didn't check his sugar. Not that I saw. They did. My, you know, my wife looked at it. My wife's not medical. She says, what's wrong with them? They didn't even take a pulse. I yeah. said, you know, we don't teach people to be not caring. We need to teach them. And you know, I'm into this. We need to teach them to care. I would rather treat, what most people think is, is the most despicable kinds of patients, which I don't, I don't buy that, but I know who they are. They don't want to. They, they came in there without a stair chair. They, they, hey. Uh, where was their bag? Look Where was their bag? Where was their tech bag? There was none of that. But I would rather treat them with the respect that every human deserves. Nobody in fifth grade says, I want to grow up to be a detoxing alcoholic who can't even take care of himself. Nobody says that. They, they, if they become that, they become that. But I would rather treat them with respect and dignity for 20 minutes than be them for a microsecond, all right? They need help. And if you are, if you are at the point in your life where you have to fake this, I would rather treat you with respect than be you with a microsecond, be you for a microsecond. That's what they deserve. And if we do this universally, if we teach this, if we tell people that taking care of folks is is what we do, and we don't get to pick our customers. Our customers call us and we take care of them. The first words out of my mouth would have been, and anybody who knows me, anybody who knows me, would have said, I know, I'm, I know what Dave's going to say already. Hey, my name is Dave. I'm a paramedic. I'm going to take really good care of you. First words out of my mouth. I've thrown down the gauntlet and now it's my time to do it. I have a friend who is an attorney who often represents, um, patients. And he he said to me, Oh, I got to guess. Uh, four decades ago, because, you know, these guys are 45, 50 years old, and I joined EMS as an, a, as an EMT in 79. Um, uh, so I, I'm doing this almost for as long as most of those guys are alive. He said to me, you know what? My, my patients, my, my customers, my, the plaintiffs don't want to sue people who've been nice to them. And I'm not, you know, he called it nice, and I call it in my head, Treated them with respect professionally. He says, even if they've done something wrong, they don't want to go after them. This, this patient didn't even have them choose the position. They let him flop into that. He went down face down. I don't think they chose to put him face down. They chose not to flip him over. Yeah, They did, they did absolutely, from my point of view, their behavior was terrible. Now, I, I get it. If they're working 40 hours, we know why you shouldn't work 40 hours. I know why you shouldn't work. I don't want to be the patient you see after 17 hours of a full day. I don't want to be that patient. And and sometimes I know they're working longer than that. But, uh, you know, I, I, feel, I feel bad for them that they got into this situation. But, you know, when, and I, I'm going to tell you, I see it all the time. I see it where people are walking people out of the house with difficulty breathing. And I'm, I'm doing my best to, because I'm not the first responder. I'm doing my best to pull this. I'm telling my crew, pull the stretcher out, get it to the patient. We are not asking them to crawl up these steps. Yeah, Get them on the stretcher right away. Cause when they collapse, once I've been there, it's my fault. And the thing is too, Dave, you know, like I
1: said, that you know, I'm not saying these that these these providers were right in what they did. I can I'm telling you that I've seen it happen, and I've been in that situation.
0: You know, I haven't always been like this.
1: And the thing is, is, is is you know, when you're in that situation as a as a provider, you have to take a second and, like you said, take the vital signs and stuff like that. And if you find out that it's all BS and it's just an intox or just whatever. Take them to the hospital. You don't need to make them flop down, face face down the stretch or whatever. You know, take them to the hospital. Give them a blanket, the minimum you can do. And then, like you said, 20, 30 minutes, you're done, and it's that person's out of your life. But as opposed Emotion. to them losing their life because you didn't do something you should have done. And I think, Dave, you made a good point about training people early on. And this is something that doesn't get done. I remember when I first started with an EMT, there was a, somebody else with an EMT. They were working with a paramedic. They, it was, it was at the time it was just an EMT truck. We were just, we were waiting at the hospital to get the, the ALS uh, approval by Finney to, to run the ALS versions. But so we were just running an EMT truck, but she was working with a, with a medic. The medic was so burnt out and brand she was brand new with an EMT and immediately, started taking on his traits with no experience, nothing behind her other than just watching how he, was, how he was talking to dispatch, treating the ambulance, treating the calls, treating the paperwork, all of it. And it was like she became like a mini version of him before she even had a year in to the job. And everyone he saw her it, well. everyone knew it, you know. And it happens because, like you said, you know, you've got to teach them – the opposite and try to train people not to pay attention to that level of, of, you know, um, disregard for the, you know, for the job, no matter how burnt you are, if you're that burnt, there's, there's a, time to leave. You know, the thing to is, is we need to tr- train people how to do this type of stuff and remind people when they're in class that most of your calls are not going to be these exciting calls. You're going to get calls like this, where you're going to have to, you know, deal with these types of patients, you know, you're going to get there's- the homeless patients. You're going to get the intoxicants. You're going to get the people who were just calling because their finger hurts. This is the job. You know, you, this is what you're signing up for. You Jim, know?
2: there's a couple of things that work in play in what you're, you're saying. One is just general attitude and the, the uh, way you present yourself or the way you look at the job and it's a really it's a real shame when you have somebody who's new um, trying to emulate. You know, maybe they're a popular person, but quote unquote the burned out medic. You know, mm-hmm. twenty years on the job and they're okay. done or whatnot. And and they're trying to emulate that and just basic. You know, em. You know, and lose that 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 new enthusiasm that you have. I mean, I when I first got on the bus, I no doubt annoyed many of my steady partners because I had enthusiasm. I was like, let's do that. Let's pick up this. Let's go, you know, let's go. And, yeah. um, but there's, there's a, a, the other side is, you know, the, what we're, how we're teaching and what we're teaching and the inconsistency of how we're teaching. And I think that I had a really good instructor when I was an EMT. He was really into the job. He's still in security to, you know, still in public safety now working in Washington, D.C. to this day. And uh, he said in an off sort of an offhand way, but at the end of one of the lectures, and, and I think it may have been on uh, abuse and uh, alcohol abuse, he said, just remember this. It's the drunks who will end your career. It's the drunks who will catch you off guard. And it's yeah. like, I I, I I stopped and I did not really understand what that meant until I got on the street. But this is, you know what? We are only seeing a keyhole version of this whole story, regardless of, you know, within that's true, true. your eyes.
1: What? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, We're yeah. only seeing a small part of of. Right. We don't know what happened in the back of the ambulance. We don't know. What he happened may be.
2: That. He may be their most common, frequent flyer. If he was, I would expect a better relationship between the crew and the patient. But you know, he may be like that. 30 o'clock, that four o'clock in the morning job they get every time, um, and it's and every time for the last three years, it's been complete nonsense. Yeah, you know, and usually the guy gets up and walks out and everything else and this time he's, you know, I mean, having I mean, difficulty I mean, or failing.
1: I've had I mean, I've had patients like that where they're homeless or common intox and you get them all the time and and then it's the one time that you you say wait a second, something else is going on. I mean, I had a I had a guy once that was always totally, you know, passed out drunk and the one time we found him, he was Totally unresponsive. We ended up intubating him, you right? Know? And right. and it's like you bring him in. Even the ER is like, "What the hell are you just doing?" We get this guy once a week. How, why now is now he intubated? You know what I mean? And, and who
2: wants to walk a drunk? My God, the easiest way to move an an intox patient to the ambulance is the chair. Yeah,
1: and you know, like you're it. too, right? Trying to walk a, a different breather. That is the thing. How are you walking people? Nowadays, with cameras and videos and everything else, you're walking your patient out of the house holding the oxygen bag with the with a non rebreather on. It's insanity, you know. We I remember years ago we had pulled up on a on a, a multiple uh, a motor vehicle collision on the, on the highway, the Belt Parkway, and we pull up, and um, you know there were other ambulances there that were volunteers, um, and we get there and they've got people walking around with collars on their neck. Mm. you walk walking around the scene, and back then everyone in the collar came with the board, and they they matched up, and then that was it. We pull up, and my partner goes. The first thing we're going to do is get all these people with collars either take the collars off or get them in the ambulance because if someone sees this, you know we're the authority on the scene now, and we're going to get burned for it. Not all these volleys that are there. You know, doing it. You know what I mean? And not to say, well while hey, we do, do that.
0: What's that? I've seen what? paid folk do that. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: just saying, I'm just saying that situation it was involved. Right. Yeah, Once that you we're got doing there, it. you
0: would have wanted to get sued.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I've seen where I've seen paid people do it where I pull up and I have yeah, somebody in the front there of the able in a passenger with a collar in there around their neck. You know, I'm like, what the hell was going on? And you know, it, it's it's just the, the, the optics of things, you know, in, in this case, like we just said, we don't know everything going on. It doesn't look good, you know.
0: And maybe we should just be doing good things all the time so we don't have to worry Right,
2: what a goody two-shoes.
0: Listen, I'm going to tell you, I... I Ricky Rescue. I, I, two things I wanted to talk about. I know people, I know ALS providers who brag about how often they turf calls to BLS calls that shouldn't be they're not seizing, they're not the seizing anymore they're not unconscious anymore their chest pain went away i gave them oxygen and they feel better and they turf all of that to BLS and and i think that's a bunch of baloney i think it's an attitude that pervades and that the new medic learns this and passes it on back in yeah. the well I, i'm sure it was in the 50s maybe before that there was a Broadway show, which is a very famous Broadway show, South Pacific. You know the song, you yes. know the, you know, you know the movie.
2: Yes, yes, okay. I'm familiar. Right. with So South there's Pacific.
0: a song in there which is really about Alley, racism. But it, it's you've got to be carefully taught to hate and fear. You got to teach people to be disrespectful, and they do, they do. That's number uh, one. You know,
2: wait, 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 Dave. Uh, you're tapping are,
0: into. They are. To, you are. On, let me finish my piece. Here. Okay. And okay. Then, And then in in the beautiful town in in my Long Island where you think it doesn't exist, we had people living in the woods, a community of people living in the woods. They were needy. They called us frequently, but they were needy and called us. And some of them were calling us for drug and alcohol problems, but they were needy and called us frequently. And I get there one day and they're being walked out. They're being the, the patient is being marched out of the woods through the snow And I yanked the the stretcher out of the ambulance again. And I get her to sit sit on it. And I say to her, hi, my name is Dave. I'm a paramedic. I'm going to take really good care of you. And she started to cry. I said, what happened? She said, nobody treats me nicely. This is the first time I've heard that in years. So I said, that was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. Um, All right, now you can beat me up if I said anything offensive. It's a
2: difficult thing because, you know, what Jim was saying today, you know, with the idea of everybody has a camera on them. My God, you know, this is uh, I, I'm not sure if it was Orwell in 1984 who had the concerned citizens. Big brother. And they had the cameras. What? Big brother. Big, yeah, Big brother. That was from. cameras. But it even had citizens and they had cameras on their eyeglasses. You know, where we, we see this, go, down, go down to vision hey, center or lens crafters. You can get frames with cameras that sure. stream to your, to your account. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot more difficult today. I mean, I still remember about 10 years ago, there was a job in the Bronx where there was uh, like a, above a bodega or a second store, a third story above a bodega. There was uh, an apartment fire. There were kids. One of the kids was like a four or four, Four to six-year-old, unconscious, and they practically dropped him out the window. And he was caught by a, a, a guy on the ground, and he was handed to the uh, EMTs. Now, what they don't say, uh, and the uh, what they don't say is the right after the EMTs, the medics had arrived. The medics were there. They set up the back of their uh, bus. Everything was open. The stretcher was out, and everything. So, you know, you have two fairly fresh EMTs with a unconscious baby. And what did they do? They threw him onto the stretcher, uh, not threw him, but they put him on the stretcher. But the kid was, he had one arm off the stretcher. He didn't have, you know, they didn't put oxygen on him or anything else. They rolled him the 15 feet to the ALS crew who basically took over medical care. So all they were there transporting them 15 feet. Somebody with a video camera did that, made the evening news, and you see the kid, you know, flopping off the, the stretcher, yeah. no mask or anything else, they, those two EMTs got fired because of the way it looked. Yeah. And, and anybody who remembers being an EMT can say they can, you know, when, when medics were, were, you know, when they were at a job that was way above their pay grade, so to speak, and the medics were there at hand. What did you do?
0: We were happily handing it off. Happily. happily. And, you know, and, and is, thinking in your
2: head, the best I can do for this patient is get them to the medics quickly. And so that's what they did. And they lost their jobs because they didn't stop. They didn't put in, right. uh, uh, you know, I they didn't strap them down.
0: That, right. that was, it sounds like a terrible reason. But I'm just Here saying,
1: thing, you know, this is something I think a lot of people have to think about, too. Like you said, Dave, if you're doing the right thing all the time and you're conscious about it, um, you don't have to worry about the optics being bad if somebody takes a picture or a video and things like that. And this is something throughout my time in EMS that I've always been very conscious of is wrapping people in blankets, making sure arms and legs aren't hanging well, but then that they're not like in the stretcher halfway and. Their, their, you know, their legs from the the knees down are hanging off the back of the stretcher, you know, all this type of thing, to, so that the, it, it looks like I I'm caring for this patient, you know, um, because forget about cameras and videos and things like that. Think about what family members are thinking of you, thinking about what doctors and nurses think of you when you roll into an ER with somebody's arm dangling off the the, the stretcher, you know, even a cardiac arrest. So how often do you have a cardiac arrest and arms are hanging off and, and one leg is, is half off the stretcher and everyone's focused on, let's just do compression is that, well, you know what, you probably got about, you know, four, five, six people there. Somebody can make sure that the patient is presentable while the other people are, you know, doing CPR and, and other interventions. Instead of everybody standing around, you know trying to be part of, of, you know, the, the, the transport, you make know sure what I mean?
0: Stuff. What's that? Big hero stuff. One the, yeah, the I mean you know it,
1: it's great to do to do compressions. It's it's the key element of you know what you're doing for a patient in that in that situation. But the pre, the presentation it means a lot. You, especially forget it. Like I said, forget about cameras and videos. What does the family think? Is this the last memory you want them to have of their family member with the arm dangling off the stretcher and the leg half hang half hanging off? You want them to you know at least remember some sort of uh Know dignity that the patient might have had when you were transporting them, you know, to the ambulance and then from the ambulance to the, to the emergency room, you know, because I always hated that when we got to the hospital right away, people thrown open the back doors. I'm like, no, don't throw open the back doors. Let's make sure we have everything we need Get get the monitor where it needs to be, get the patient, how they need to be, then open the doors and let's opening it, open them up. And most of the time, if the family on scene isn't there waiting for you, their family members have been called. They've already and they've been at the hospital waiting for 10, 15 minutes for you to get there. And now you get there, you open it up, and this is the first thing that they see. And that's the, you know you don't need you don't want that to be for me what you want. The last thing you want the family members to remember, you know, their their, their loved one or even how or even us as a profession is what they remember. You know. And how we were just sloppy and, and, and lazy and, and didn't really care about, you know, covering up that patient where the genitals are exposed because you didn't take the second to put the sheet back on. You know what I mean? So it, right. it, it, it goes beyond just worrying about cameras and, 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 you know, pictures. It also goes with just the picture that people are taking with their own eyes that they remember. You know, because the, these, these two people that did this with this patient, you know, next month, you're probably going to forget all about them and the video and everything else. But the, if a family member sees it, they're going to remember that picture in their mind, you know,
0: forever. So Jim, you well, said then- it was the right thing to do. Always it was the right thing to do. And now they're just documenting whether we're doing it or not. I think right. you're spot on. We always should have done it. We should continue to do those right things. And if they document us doing stuff, they're gonna document us doing the right stuff. If yeah. you
2: make those right things, the and, and we I think Jim is more talking about the considered, you know, when you when you talk about patient care versus you know the holistic aspect of the job, we're we're more leaning towards that holistic side, but it has an impact, it makes a difference. Things like you know, showing up with um, if you're doing a transport showing up with a extra couple of sheets. If you can somehow nab a pillow, have that on your stretcher. When you go and pick this person up from a hospital room where they already have this type, type of thing. You know, if yeah. you're talking about 911, you have a couple of extra sheets on the stretcher anyway. Sometimes, unfortunately, you might need it because you can't move a body and you just want to cover it from public view. Or you may need to pick up a heavy person and you can do, uh, you know, a four point lift on, on, a, on a sheet um, or just covering somebody up for privacy, you know, yeah. and giving them maybe, you know, in the wintertime, an extra sheet over the head helped in the cold weather. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. I've seen rigs come in and the people pull out and, you know, we've talked about this in the show before, Jim, you know, the guy that comes out. One of his uh, shirt tails is untucked. He, you yeah. know, he's missed button. He has the baseball cap on backwards. You know, there's a present, you know, you present yourself in a certain way. So even before a single word is spoken, you're now on a bad track. So yeah. it's so easy to grab. An, well, not yeah. nowadays when they're counting them, but it's yeah. pretty easy to get grab an extra sheet or something like that that you can use as a tool to. Package your patient in a way that they're comfortable, they look presentable, and you look professional.
1: And the thing is, too, is, is, is listen, you know, the patient care aspect of, of EMS, for the most part, it it's a no-brainer, right? You can most of the time tell when a patient is sick or not sick. You can, you know, treat chest pain, you know, chest pain patients, you know, with your eyes closed. It's all these other little things, Josh, like you mentioned, that are the things that people remember more than did you give the night show, you know, within a certain time frame, did you get a 12 league right away and stuff like that. It's the other things that people are going to remember about their interaction with, you know, with EMS, you know, um, it's the pictures, the negative pictures that you see when you take the, you show a picture of a, of a, of a scene. And like you said, you've got providers walking around with, you know, untempt and, and, you know, shoes on, un- uh, boots unlaced and hats on backwards and the picture gets taken and they could have been taking care of the patient spot on, you know, been great with the patient and all that. But then the image that whether somebody sees it, whether they take a picture of it, that ends up lasting more than what you actually did. It goes back to what Dave said before, right? That if you're nice to the patient, rarely are they going to try to sue you even if you make a mistake, right? They're not looking to get you in trouble if you were nice to them and professional to them, you know? So if you end up looking sloppy and then you're also, you know, you don't care and you don't do the right thing, you're setting yourself up for a problem. And you're setting the people that you're working with on the scene up for a problem, you know? Um, So I, I think it all, a lot of this ties in, I think, together you know what we're talking about as far as uh, you know this 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 call with these, you know, these providers getting you know charged with murder and also you know doing the right thing and teaching people you know in the beginning you know uh to do the right thing and teach them not to have this attitude listen i think i was very lucky in ems because i ended up getting great partners early on both when i became an emt and started working with people i had great partners and then when I became a medic, I had great partners, great mentors that 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 showed me the right way to do things, you know. And that helped me, you know, throughout my career that I wasn't, I didn't slip into the burnt medic mentality so quickly, like so many do. I think it's a cool way to until do his it. third month, About two and a half, two and a half months took me, you know. But like I said, where Dave has been in it head head for head 30 body, years, right? Yeah. I, I could see myself having that initial response of walking into a home like that and seeing this patient acting like they were acting. But the professional in me would have been triggered to say, okay, like they said, they didn't take any vitals. They didn't take a finger stick, any of that stuff, you know? And when you've got police there to help you manage the patient, as far as maybe holding their arm straight to get that blood pressure or to get that finger stick, then you implement them. Because once you get him in the back of the ambulance, it's going to be you and the patient and your partner's driving, and now he's flopping around. How are you getting blood pressures? How are you getting finger sticks? How are you getting EKGs? You know, with just you and a patient like that who won't hold still, who's flopping around, who's, you know, uh, flailing about. And apparently
0: you know. he was dying.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, I see comments about him having excited delirium, stuff like that. I don't know. I, I you know, he I don't. I don't know
0: excited delirium
1: because he was very sweaty. You know, all that type of stuff. But uh, I mean, who knows? Like I like know, said, we he weren't can there
0: while having an infarction, you, you know, 100%. it's
1: one of the signs.
0: Whoa, is right? it? It's Wait one a of minute. The signs. So you know, that'll bring us to another another topic that I don't want to go down right now which is just um, uh, prejudice, prejudice. Let me, let, let me just cap
2: off this, this, this end with a, with a lesson that should have been taught to me in EMT school or certainly in medic school. Now EMT should have been from the very beginning, but I didn't learn until I happened to have been lucked out and got a job at a fabulous place with a lot of good people and we had we had everybody has all their cast of characters, but we had more good people than anything else. And one of the things that the boss told me, they you know, the director of the whole department when I first got hired is you can do anything with a smile. You know, you can sit there and as and, and as long as you're smiling at the family, you can put a pillow over the patient's face and smother them right there in front of them. And they'll thank you for it at the at the end. But the the message is more powerful than, you know, maybe an offhanded uh, remark about it, is that, you know, you are when you are called and you enter when you knock on that door, when you enter that apartment, when you walk into that scene, you have been called not because that person is having a good day. They're having most likely the worst day of their life. You come in and you smile a smile puts people at ease. And when you can start off on that foot, instead of notching the terror up, notching the tension up 10 degrees, you've started out on a better foot right from the get go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well guys, we'll wrap it up there. Um, we're going for about 45 minutes or so, so I don't want to keep banging it, but, um, I think Davey made a good point on the, the side of the delirium thing. We should revisit that, uh, that topic um, on another show. They will take And it. remember,
2: the drunks are going to mess you up.
1: Yeah, it's, and that's true. Drunks the homeless will, will be the ones that uh, will you lose your job. You know, I've seen it happen. So, Drunking all right, like guys, right,
0: that's
1: you. it. Want to mention anything before we head out, Dave, Josh? Dave, you, know, you doing I, any I, more
0: I, of your fabulous 12 leads? Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm putting together a class now. There's all sorts of new material. It's hard to squeeze it into 16 hours. But I am very excited because at the end of this month and the beginning of next month, I'm going to be presenting in Exotic Duluth. Wow. Where uh, right now I think they're buried in snow. And it, I understand... Yeah. Uh, they're night, uh, the, with the wind chill, it might be minus ten, and I'm excited to be there. I am looking forward to it. are so you there? Sub, you're in Florida sub right sub now, right? I'm in Florida right now. So, but d- I am excited to be going to Duluth. I, I want to uh, I want to visit.
1: You got to pack differently.
0: The geography. I want to talk to the folks there. I don't mean I don't mean talk at them. The presentation is one thing, but yeah. I'm anxious to, to speak with folks. Are working in Duluth and understand um, their culture, their yeah, EMS culture. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's a whole another. That's actually another episode to talk about when it comes to EMS cultures and of EMS in different areas. You know, which is something over the years I think I've learned. You know, is is important. You know,
0: you don't have to uh, go know, far from your, your home base to find a new culture. Yeah, but, uh, that's true too. You need. Right, you know, you're
2: sitting on. Wait a second. You're sitting on the bus. And, you know, there's the company, your, your, your organization has switched over your EKG uh, electrodes to a different brand. And you have the guy that's sitting there pissing and bitching that the brand isn't good. The old brand was better, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you get out into the country where you have people. And I was listening to a crew. There was a, uh, um, a reporter that went out with one of these tribal crews. Hmm. who work on a reservation that could be, you know, 300,000 um, uh, acres. Um, it could be an hour and a half travel time from one end to the other. And you want to talk about, you know, if they get two electrodes they could put together, they're happy. Yeah. You know, actually, I mean, uh, they, they're equipped.
1: I have a and- guy from Haiti who wants to join us on the show. I keep uh, forgetting to touch base with him. He's in an EMT in Haiti and he's always looking to 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 talk. Um I'd be great. interested to get him on here um, and see what he has to say. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, that's it. So as always, I am Jim Hoffman. Josh Knapp. Dave
0: Brenner. Stay-